Hello there. Welcome to this introductory pause. This pause is here to remind you that this is the second part of my multi-part podcast series, Side by Side, where I explain all of my theories about the Sandersides episode, Putting Others First. Now, you don't have to listen to the previous part to understand this one, but the last episode does cover my theory about Janice, who I do discuss quite a bit here too. So, you might want to give it a quick listen before continuing. Alright, we all good? Unpause time. Greetings everyone, welcome to the second part of Side by Side. Last episode, I talked about Janus and how we need to keep an eye on him since he can use Pathos, Logos, and Aristotle's other appeals pretty well to convince Thomas and how he may use those to fulfill his secret agenda. But even with Janus out of the way, there are still plenty of other sides and questions left, like Logan. The brain with secret pain, the side who don't hide, the geek who itches to speak, was a bit strange in putting others first, wasn't he? And I'm not talking about his new pixel form and his lowdown graphics, however unexpected that was. I'm talking about his unusual connection to Janus. Not only did Janus impersonate Logan again, but a few of Logan's facts leading up to Patton's breakdown strayed towards Janus's side of the moral spectrum. Well, Frederick Nietzsche really wouldn't have been thrilled with anything you've had to say, primarily because pity seems to be at the center of your idea of putting good into the world. He once claimed that pity runs counter to the instincts that preserve and enhance the value of life. And then right after that, a skip button appeared and, after Patton's pressing of it, caused Logan's 16-bit body to be tugged off the screen by a cane like a cartoon character that ran out of time to talk. Not to mention these few unusually calloused statements of his after he was tugged away. So if it was between Thomas's life or another's, you don't think Thomas should give his life up. And this other person is an innocent little lamb. Or how about a group of innocents? <laughs> um... All of this is really weird, especially for the side who was the fastest to recognize Janice's appearances and influence in the past. <laughs> Deceit! <gasps> Deceit! Yeah, yeah, we yeah, know! Yeah. So why are they so connected during this specific episode? And beyond that, there's also the name dilemma concerning the dark sides in Virgil. Both Janus and Remus follow a U.S. pattern at the end of them, but Virgil's name doesn't adhere to this, despite him having been a dark side in the past. So what's going on here? Well, those are the questions I'm here to cover today in this part of Side by Side. Sit back and relax while I talk all about Logan and Janus's connections and relay a brief theory about Virgil and make him an altar he can't accuse. Alright, let's get started on these theories. Firstly, I'll give my personal answer to the question about when Janice impersonated Logan, whether it was the whole video or started at a specific moment. What I think happened is that when Logan was responding to Patton and talking about pity, that good old skip button appeared and tugged Logan away, which led to Janice becoming Logan. Some of you may already know this theory, but essentially, its main evidence is that the skip button that appeared is yellow and black striped, which are both Janice's colors, and the cane that pulls Logan off the screen looks exactly like the one that Mega Man-style Janice brandishes later in the video. I'd also add that this may have been an improvised rendition of the silencing gesture Janice often uses, a hand clasped over the mouth, now in a video game plus vaudeville format. Janice, always making his big over-the-top entrances. 
Now, that's all well and good, but I'd like to take this idea a step further and say that this wasn't the only time Janice and Logan interacted throughout the video. I'd even like to add that they had been conferring on the sidelines the whole time. A record scratch? Whoa, 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 you may be thinking. What would Logan and Janice even need to talk about on the sidelines? Why would they even partner up like this? They're dark and light sides. They got no business starting business together. Well, I'd like to point out an argument that they both agree with. That Thomas needs to take care of his health and remember to put himself first. Janice clearly agrees with this point in both selfishness versus selflessness and its redux. There is nothing greater than an individual. Take some time for yourself, Thomas. And in the Roman versus Logan debate episode, it's pretty clear to see how Logan feels about this too. One thing that is well within Thomas's ability is keeping his body healthy, so that should be the priority. But at the end of the day, you must come first. And another thing I've noticed about them is that they both like being right, or at least being told as such. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, now you're just pandering to my fondness for being told that I'm right. You're right! Ah, yes! Ah, it feels so good! So good! So if they're both sides who agree that Thomas should take better care of himself and prioritize himself, and who both want to be proven right, wouldn't it make sense that they'd make a truce despite their differences to get this point across? Especially since both of them knew Thomas's health was in a detrimental state. The plane is going down. If the variety of generosity that you subscribe to leaves you feeling depressed or like your life isn't your own, then you need to reevaluate things. This is why I believe they started a truce in order to convince Thomas to take care of his health more. It also explains why both Janice and Logan were adamant on not talking about what happened with the other. What have you done with Logan? Nothing at all, and I resent the question. But I am unharmed, and I don't want to talk about it. But what's the timeline for this team up? And when does the skip button come into this? What I think is that Janice and Logan were both in the mind space together, waiting for when Thomas would come home from the wedding and inevitably start summoning up some sides. You know, the whole get in figments, we're going philosophizing routine. And then, once the episode started and once Logan introduced his lowdown format, Janice listened into the conversation the whole time through Logan's reappearances and debriefings between his techie teachings. Because Logan had to be somewhere when he wasn't dropping his sick knowledge nuggets, right? He couldn't have just been in the box and then disappeared into nowhere. While there's not too much evidence for this, it is strange that Janice picked up on so many of the conversation's context clues otherwise, right? Then, when Logan was about to give his lowdown about Frederick Nisha, Janice felt, well, a bit defeated about it. He told Logan that he didn't think Patton would listen to it, but Logan still decided to say it and left for the conversation again. And while Logan was talking, Janice was able to hear Patton's protests and see Patton's hesitancy and unease. That's not what Nietzsche famously rejected the notion that pity was a virtue. He, unfortunately, was proven right. So he snapped and a skip button appeared above Logan's text box, and once Patton pressed it, Janice dragged Logan back into the Mind Palace to regroup and tell him that Patton was not going to hear out their side, pun intended, of the argument. Janice convinced Logan that he should take Logan's place and keep advocating for him, and they agreed. Janice took over right after, right here. I have a difference of opinion on this one, Patton. Oh, thank you, Logan. And with Logan in the background helping him, Janice was able to successfully impersonate Logan once again, until, during Patton's breakdown, Janice snapped and decided to finally reveal himself for the greater good. Enough! You'll need a sharp side to cut through all this bull. Frog. I'm happy to oblige. And then after that, the rest is history. 
Janice either pretended to be surprised about Logan's reappearance. Oh, shit. Not that any of you care. Or maybe he really was surprised at Logan's determination to keep spouting out the truth. You go, Glen Coco. Wait, wrong reference. Logan then gave his last fact without mentioning the impersonation because he was on the sidelines with Janice the whole time, and Janice was finally able to convince Thomas to take care of himself. Now, who knows how Virgil's gonna react to all this. But speaking of Virgil, I'd like to quickly relay a theory about his name before I inevitably gotta tug myself out of here like Logan. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it's unusual that both Janice and Remus's names use an us ending while Virgil's name is, well, Virgil. But I have a theory that Virgil lied about his name to the light sides and Thomas, and that his real name is Virgilius. The biggest piece of evidence for this is the fact that Virgil, the Roman poet who starred in Dante's Inferno and wrote the Aeneid, and the dude that our Virgil's name is partly inspired by, that Virgil, well, his full name was actually Virgilius. Publius Virgilius Morrow, if you want to be specific. <sighs> Talk about a mouthful. Because of this, I think that Virgilius is Virgil's full name as well, seeing as it follows the dark side us ending, and since he was, well, a dark side. This also explains this tense back and forth between Janice and Virgil back in Selfishness versus Selflessness 1. Oh, so you've never been reluctant to share anything with the group then? Don't. What? I just meant your name. Don't. Maybe that's why it's so easy for you to recognize me for what I am. Like I said before, it takes a liar to know a liar. Objection! If Virgil was just hesitant to reveal his name, his powerful reaction to Janice's hinting to it would seem a little weird, right? But if Virgil lied about his name and gave himself a shortened alias to drive off suspicion from his dark origins, then it's no wonder why Janice would call him a liar for it, and why Virgil would react so defensively to Janice's observation of it. I also like to think that this is why Virgil was so quick to add on a nickname once another side used his name for the first time, to really get the point across that he wanted to get as far away from his past as possible. It took a lot to trust us with that information. Virgil. Uh. You can call me Verge. The TLDR of this is that Virgil shortened his true name, Virgilius, so that Thomas and the sides would be left in the dark about his past. Well, that's all for part two of Side by Side, folks. Tune in next episode for part three, featuring our favorite amphibian father figure, Patton. And a little disclaimer, the next part is going to come out in a bit later than a week, and I hope you'll all understand. I'm going to be getting some new tech for the podcast that'll make your listening experience a whole lot more pleasant. So until then, be sure to always get your good side. Peace out.